It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week over the last few days. I've been thinking about the importance of appreciating and praising other people. I believe that you'll get far more out of a relationship when it contains love and appreciation for someone else. I was pleasantly surprised lately by receiving a letter from my dad, and he expressed how much he believes in me and how much he knows that great things are right around the corner for me. And to hear something that meaningful from him at that particular moment in my life meant a lot. I've always been an advocate for speaking blessings into the lives of others because I honestly believe it can make an amazing difference. It was really terrific to have a blessing spoken to me at a time I wasn't expecting it and needed it the most, and it did make a huge difference. So here is the challenge. Who can you speak a blessing to today? Who can you appreciate? How can you make a difference for someone else? Make every effort to tell someone how much you appreciate them and for making a difference in your life. I promise it will make their day, and you will probably get more out of it than they will. Do it today. You will be so glad you did. With all of this in mind, let me introduce my guest, uh, My guest this week is Richard Tyler. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Richard Tyler is the possibility architect, author, international speaker, and provocateur. His first book, Jolt, is published by Wiley, and it hit the bookstores globally in April of 2015, reaching the Amazon number one spot on the very first day. Richard's mission is simple, to disrupt and provoke the way that organizations think as being good is no longer good enough. Companies need to be extraordinary in order to be successful. For 10 years, Richard and his team have been pioneers of artful leadership, blending psychology, the arts, and leadership to jolt clients to become innovative and lead their industries. These clients include J.P. Morgan, HSBC, Barclay Card, John Lewis Partnership, Co-op, and the NHS. Richard dreamed of performing on stage from a very early age and went on to play lead roles in many of London's West End productions, such as Les Miserables and The Phantom of the Opera. Having sung in concert halls all over the world, he has performed with some of the most extraordinary musicians and has sung for royalty and appeared in TV commercials. He started to really understand how to deliver extraordinary performances consistently, something that CEOs are striving for every single day. Richard changed his career direction by training in hypnotherapy, NLP, and a host of other disciplines, and now combines these skills with artful leadership techniques in his training and keynotes. His passion is to literally bring his performance skills into corporate environments while training on leadership and change management. His delivery style often includes bringing in actors and musicians to quickly ignite a spark of change in their audience, and often he will have the whole company on their feet singing. His style combines tough love, provocation, challenge, and fun. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. And with all of this in mind, here is my very special guest, 
Richard Tyler. Richard, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. It's it's always nice to have someone from the UK on my show. There's a little bit of a time difference, but I'll tell you what, it's it's awesome, and I'm looking forward to this. You've got such an interesting background. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that and how that brought you to where you are. Yeah, it's um, it's an it's a fa- it's a fascinating story, you know, because I, from the age of nine, probably my first big inspiration was my mum taking me to see a musical, and my question afterwards about, you know. How, how can I do that when I'm older? I want to do the same thing. It was actually Michael Crawford in the musical Barnum. And how can I do that? How can my kids see that? And from there, the, the, the kind of seed was planted, I guess, for wanting to sing and be on stage and be a musician. And, um, it was, that was, it was a tough enough road to, to, to achieve that, right? To get into music college and to then, and then to get a job like any, in this country, 93% unemployed in that profession. So, you know, the odds of working are, are pretty much stacked against you so it, you know it was a real challenge to make that happen over 10 12 years and then to spend a good eight years working and then i guess some other challenges around how do you take the skill set you have and the passion that you have and the talent that you have for something and combine it with something else and reinvent yourself uh, and you know work, work in it work in a massively different way i was used to eight shows a week Um, and suddenly my routine changed and I was working, you know, getting up early, which was a bit of a shock for, for a singer and an actor. And, um, so it was, uh, it, it it was an amazing journey. And I guess much of it came about because, because I was really determined to make every, every bit, everything that I do each day, I'm really determined to make it the best I can, the best I possibly can. Um, and I met some extraordinary people along the way that helped, um, build those opportunities. Yeah. Um, ooh, who, who out there? So people like, um, uh, Leanne Carroll, obviously Michael Crawford, um, Sarah Brightman, um, quite a lot of big UK jazz artists I've worked with, um, the likes of Andrew Lloyd Webber on various concerts and, and gigs over here. Actually, I haven't sung, I haven't sung in America. It's the one, but it's, it's on my bucket list though, to come and do to come and do a jazz club. We're going to do a book launch for Jolt in Chicago and New York in October. So um, I'm holding out at the moment for some opportunities to talk about Jolt and sing there too. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sarah Brightman are awesome. They're absolutely amazing. And if any of you out there, I mean, certainly you all have heard of of Andrew Lloyd Webber, but Sarah Brightman is an amazing, amazing singer. Let me ask you this. Uh, it's very interesting and very unique to have someone on the show whose background combines music, theater, and business. How do these fields interact and interrelate to one another? Um, I think I actually think re- really, really easily. You know, the at the heart and the real essence of theater and performance and music um, is this desire to create something extraordinary. As you know, I talk in Jolt about this need to upgrade, and um, you know, we, we understand the word upgrade in our lives now very much associated with technology and involvement and innovation and new ideas and new thinking. Well, actually, within the world of theater and music, that's that's inherent and at the heart of it. 
bit about, you know, we have to constantly innovate and upgrade and be delivering our best. There's no space within the world of performance uh, for for being good enough. You you just can't do it. You you cannot go out there and just deliver enough. So there's this so constant striving for delivering something over and above that is extraordinary. There's the whole piece around, you know, how do we relate to our audience? We've got to remember it's absolutely about our audience. It's about impact. It's about telling a story. Uh, it's mm-hmm. about engaging people. That The arts is about engaging people to think differently, to feel things, to go on a journey, to have different experiences, to be touched in some way to make transition and transformation in their life it's you know at the at the most simple level or at the deepest level that's what performance does and my question for people in business is in many ways your business needs to do the same thing it's about you telling a story it's absolutely about you engaging with your audience right the moment you take your eye off of the audience you've lost it 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 is about your audience it's about whether you choose to call them customer stakeholder client audience it's about them it's about engaging them it's about having an impact it's about provoking them to think differently yeah, feel something different to therefore engage with you as a provider you know they're not a million miles apart and as much as my mum is massively disappointed that she has nothing to talk about in the hairdressers each week about what show i'm in um uh-huh. you know i say to her it's the same stuff i'm doing i'm just not doing it eight times a week through song i'm still working with people to provoke their thinking to give a performance to engage them to challenge what they do to for them to laugh and play and be thoughtful and be better than they were before they were touched and it's the same world of performance world of business do you know what the content might be different many of the outcomes and deliverables are actually the same yeah absolutely and i'll tell you what once the one distinction that i think about as i hear you talking is not only in music and theater but also in business you want to create an experience so good that your customer will want to keep coming back over and over and over again and if you are not good at that it's going to be really hard to sustain yourself over the long term, right? Of, of course it is. And I think, you know, in, in our current climate, we have, as consumers, we have so much choice available to us. And if I don't like what's being delivered, if I don't like the experience from that shop or that bank, actually, I'll go somewhere else. I'll go one door down and there'll be someone else who will offer me a different service and potentially better. And I think, you know, we're, we're in that world and that's the same in the world of performance as it is in business. But we, we can't we can't sit back and deliver the same because someone can go somewhere else and find something better than us. So we have to keep keep raising our game. But that's become, I think, more key for us now day to day in business than perhaps it was even maybe even five years ago, perhaps then we could get away with replicating and delivering the same old and people would buy it. But now the certainly things like the internet has opened up our mass choice for where we go to get what we want. Yeah, we've got less than two minutes for our first break. And I think of uh, pop stars such as Madonna. I mean, she's hmm. been out there for decades and she still has a huge and sustained following. She reinvents herself before every album and before every tour, and it keeps things fresh. Businesses need to do something like that, too, or at least be open to the idea of reinventing themselves once in a while so that they don't go stale, right? Of course they do, and I think I think it's almost more frequent than that. I, I often talk, you know, Phantom hits its um, 29th anniversary this year, and, you know, they still have that conversation each day around how do we make this thing better today than it was yesterday and you know that's that's we're not talking extremes of 
changing the color of the set from black to pink. We're saying, you know, how do we make some really small, precise tweaks to to our thinking in much of it and our behavior uh, so that we keep delivering something that's ahead of the game? And I think, you know, businesses, those that, again, I make this distinction between those that want to be good and tick the boxes and be comfortable and those that strive to disrupt their industry and deliver something extraordinary have to keep reinventing, have to be innovative, have to be prepared to to think bold. And, you know, much of what many of the qualities and attitudes and behaviors that made us good will not be the same ones that make us extraordinary. It's really important to know that, that, you know, just by doing more of the same is not the ticket to extraordinary. The ticket to extraordinary is understanding what we still need to keep in place and what needs to be new and upgraded. That's great. And we are coming up against our first break. My very special guest this week is Richard Tyler. He is the author of the book, Jolt. We will dive into this very heavily after the break, and we'll be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. Solave, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solave with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use, and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. And simply making the switch to Solave is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solave with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solave revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And 
we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio, and my very special guest this week is Richard Tyler, and his book is called Jolt. Where you can find me, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Mr. Brian K. Wright. You can find me on Facebook. I have a page called Success Profiles Radio. Please like Success Profiles Radio on Facebook. You can also download and subscribe to the show on iTunes for free anytime you like. I also have a book on Amazon called Success Profiles, Mental Toughness of Sales, which features interviews I did last year with Jeffrey Gittimer, Eric Lossholm, and Scott Lopez. And I also have a book writing coaching program. If you have a desire to write your book, let me know, and I will be glad to have an introductory session with you and figure out what we can do for you and see how we might be able to work together. And so, Richard, let me ask you something. Your book is called Jolt. How did you decide to write this book and what inspired you? <laughs> um, so I decided to – I actually had a vision that I would write this book probably six or seven years ago. And um, I'm great at finding other reasons and more important things to do. And it kind of sat there as a as a dream uh, and didn't go any further than that. Um, I had a friend who wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago for Wiley and um, Capstone Wiley kind of floated to the, I guess, the top of my radar as the publisher that I would like to work with. Um, and at that point, actually, a couple of years ago, I had no idea what the book was going to be. I had, I'm great at generating ideas is a real creative and not always um, the best space for me is turning it into reality. So I had a list of ideas of what this book could be. Um, anyway, uh, the long and the short of it is I got connected to Capstone Wiley and we talked and we talked about how, how the ideas within Jolt would best be positioned, how we best um, relate the metaphor of performance and theatre into a business market. Um, and somehow jolt was born we went through a lot of iterations of different names um and at the heart of it actually what i wanted the book to do was to do what it says on the front which is jolt jolt people's thinking jolt their behavior jolt their habits jolt what's out of date and get them to start taking some responsibility for upgrading innovating uh, coming up with new ideas, being bold and being brave. So, you know, actually, when I got the offer to write the book, it was officially in uh, July of last year. I had about nine weeks to write it. And at that point, there was really nothing of it written. So um, my idyllic vision for writing a book, which was going to be sitting in a wooden hut on a beach, watching the sea ripple up over the sand, drinking espresso all day. It didn't happen like that. It happened in kind of stolen hours and after school runs, collecting my daughter and late at night and early the next morning. And somehow in nine weeks, uh, Jolt was born. <laughs> wow, that's great. And you do spend a lot of time early in the book differentiating between extraordinary and extraordinary. How do we get there? Um, I think, you know, for, for me, the, the whole bit around ordinary is, you know, uh, ordinary stroke good is that we come in and we deliver enough. And I see this with many of my clients. And you mentioned at the start, I work with some giant global organizations. And much of the time, what they're telling me is that they have people in their organization that are good. You know, they come in and they deliver and they tick the boxes and they do what's asked of them. And they, they do what becomes normal and habit and it works and it's not terrible. And they go home again and they get paid and they come in and they do the same. And, um, and their question has always been, you know, is that enough for us? How do we ever push beyond it? How do we generate something that actually is having people that are extraordinary, that deliver extraordinary experiences for our audience? Because, you know, as I've already said, 
ultimately that's what it's about. It's about do we as an organization deliver an extraordinary experience for our customers and audience so that they come back again. And I think, you know, I'm not, you know, completely kicking ordinary up the backside. I'm just saying, is it enough? So for those, you know, your audience that are listening now, the question is in your own business, in your own life is ordinary ticking the boxes, being okay, being good enough. Is it enough? If it's enough for you, then actually, you know, there's no problem. And I'm really upfront with my clients and people that talk about buying the book. You go, actually, if you're happy with good and okay and comfortable and good enough and ordinary, if you're all right with that, then don't bother reading the book because it won't appeal to you. It's for those people that say, actually, I need to push beyond this. Either personally I want to or my audience need to. I need to go beyond that and I need to be delivering something that uh, that is extraordinary. And, you know... There are a couple of a couple of really important rules around extraordinary, which is that one I've already talked about, which is many of the qualities and attitudes and skills and beliefs that made you good will not be the same ones that make you extraordinary. So those people that are out there creating extraordinary things every day are disrupting, disrupting their thinking, disrupting their attitude, disrupting their behavior. They're not just delivering the same old. So because it made you good, that is not the same stuff to keep doing that gives you the the, the doorway to extraordinary. That's one. The second one in there is that actually extraordinary never arrives. Extraordinary yeah. never arrives because the moment we think we've got there and we go, da-da, this is me. I've hit extraordinary. That's it. We, we're with there. We're simply just good again because you know, the world is moving at such a pace. We can't fool ourselves into thinking we're there. The, the whole part of extraordinary is that we are constantly evolving and we never actually get there. That's the bit of, that makes it extraordinary in itself is that we never yeah. arrive we're present, we're in touch, we're paying attention to how do we move it forward again. Yeah, and small things really do make a big difference. I mean, to go from ordinary to extraordinary might just involve a few very, very small, subtle shifts. There are applications on the state, there are applications to this in sports and in business. So talk about how small things actually can make such a huge difference. Yeah, I talk about, um, in the book I talk about, I use the metaphor of one degree of change, which was actually a really simple equation that was... Um, done by a mathematician and I love it because it's simple and I think you know we live in a complex world and there's something really important about being able to bring it right back to simple elements and real basic stuff and this mathematician took a very simple idea of two parallel train tracks and what he looked at is that if we shift just one of those train tracks by one degree Okay, so the tiniest amount, hardly visible to the human eye, we would kind of look at the two train tracks and we wouldn't think that one has even moved. But if we shift one by just one degree, that 50 miles down the line, the two train tracks are over a mile apart. So we say, you know, tiniest tweak has a really significant effect down the line. And, and what I see a lot in organizations is that there is an expectation that people will do kind of 90 degree, 180 degree turnaround in change. They're all singing or dancing and it will be massive, massive changes are needed. And whilst that there may be some truth in that for some organizations at some times, much of the journey from ordinary to extraordinary is about making those one degree shifts that have a really significant effect down the line. And people are often amazed that, you know, they'll go when they'll, they'll consider the thing they think they need to do and they'll almost poo poo it and go, wow, it's silly. It's so small. What can that possibly do? 
And only when they do it and they kind of, you know, they poke the box and they prod it, do they find out that the ripple effect down the line is really significant. And I yeah. I remember really clearly a music call I was in um, for a show and uh, I, I it was uh, in Phantom and I'd spent, you know, 20 minutes, 20 minutes working on one note with the musical director, which seemed excessive in my head. Like 20 minutes, it's just one note that lasts about, you know, 12 seconds or something. And um, I said to him, after about 10 minutes, don't you think we've done enough? You know, this, the note's there, surely. And he said, Richard, what we're talking about is the difference between a great round of applause at the end and the audience getting up on their feet. Mm. And I, I think kind of the penny dropped for me that, actually, again, we didn't need to change the key. We didn't need to do anything massive with this. We just needed to make some tweaks to how I thought about the note, where I placed the note, um, what was happening with my jaw and my tongue as I pitched the note, tiny, tiny pieces. And boy, of course, you know, the evidence was in it that the audience were straight up on their feet in seconds. And, and I think, you know, that's the stuff that makes a real difference. And if we take that across into a business or actually into, you know, someone's life somewhere where we say, how do you start to make those tiny tweaks that take you from where you are somewhere forward towards extraordinary whatever that might be that you know maybe it's just about real simple stuff like you change the way you walk you change the way you talk you change the uh, the language that you use you change the pace that you talk you change the way you uh, write an email uh, you know really really small stuff that down the line has a significant effect you also talk about self-reflection. A lot of the experts talk about you know being self-aware and really reflecting on who you are and who you want to be. Uh, let's talk about that, how it uh, relates to improving performance and even getting greater results. How important is it for you to, be, to really self-reflect and be aware? We've only got two minutes to our break. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in the world of performance, we have that mirror is around us all the time, right? Whether that's the real mirror. I remember that at college being made to sing and, and work in front of a mirror. So I got some instant feedback. But actually, we're used to it with our audiences. We get that very immediate feedback. And when we look, when we get that, when we get that input from our audience, what it starts to do is give us some choice, some choice to uh, do do this thing differently but it but in order to do that we have to be in that moment and aware and i think you know for us in the rest of our lives to be the, the more we are spending time looking in the mirror really and metaphorically we start to get choices i i think people are people are shocked sometimes some of the work i do i'll i'll film people we'll capture it we'll play it back to them that shocked, sometimes appalled at the way they come across, um, the, the way in which they are being received by their audience, the way they're doing the thing they're doing. And I think all that does is give us choice. We don't have to do anything differently as a result of it. But the more choice we have, the greater uh, range of you know impact and behavior and the idea of those with greatest flexibility will have greatest influence. Yeah, okay, absolutely. so the, the more flexible, the more agile we can be, the more adaptable we will be, the greater the audience, the broader the audience we engage. And therefore, that means we have to really get in touch with ourselves and, you know, have a strong sense of how we impact in our blind spots and what we need to do to, you know, upgrade. That's fantastic. We are coming up against our next break. We're talking with Richard Tyler. His book is called Jolt. And we've been talking about the difference between ordinary and extraordinary. We've been talking about how small things can make such a huge difference and the importance of being self-reflective and self-aware as it improves our own performance, assessing our own strength, 
and moving forward from there. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back. Don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Energy Saving Solutions Innovative Double Green Plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our Double Green Plan. Double Green allows you to convert to LEDs with no out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high on life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Richard Tyler, and his book is called Jolt. I love your discussion of comfort zones because people talk about being in their comfort zone and people talk about breaking out of your comfort zone, but you talk about the whole comfort zone idea as being a big myth. So elaborate on that. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful invention, isn't it, comfort zone, and, and in many ways works for us because it serves a purpose in the moment of actually – you know, I, the number of times I hear people justifying in a group of, you know, ah, but it's out of my comfort zone and I can't do that. So therefore, it keeps them stuck in that very place. And um, I was, uh, you know, as you've already alluded to, many of the workshops 
Uh, I run many of the leadership workshops. I bring in a jazz band or I bring in vocal coaches and musicians. And, you know, it's a very immersive experience. I want people to um, really get it in the muscle, not just get it intellectually. That's the easy bit. The, the tougher bit is that we get it in the muscle and we have a chance to play around with it. And um, I'd set up with a group that they were going to sing. Um, they were going to sing as a group. They were going to do some singing one at a time. And um uh, one of the guys said, you know, I, I would do it on my own, but uh, I really can't because it's out of my comfort zone. And I said, okay, well, you know, just, um, you know, come up to the front and I want to see where your comfort zone is. Tell me where it is. He goes, it's about here. And he kind of marked out this imaginary line, which was clearly in his head very real. I said, so because it's there and, and you're really sailing close to it, you can't sing right now. He goes, no, 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 I can't. I go, okay, so look, if I was to, if I was to imagine I was to pick that up, and move it over here. So I pick it up, and of course I move this thing a few meters away. I go, how would that be now? He goes, oh yeah, it's fine. If it's over there, I can do it easily. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, 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 I'll do it. Let's do it now. So he he, he sang, and um, you know the the group clapped, and we, I said, you know, I was always I was always told by my mother to put things back where I found them. So I'm just going to pick your comfort zone up, and I'm just going to put it back to about here. This is where it was. He goes, yeah, 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 that's where it was. I said, would you sing again now? He said, no, absolutely not. No, no, it's too close, to me, too close to the edge. And I'm like, hang on, this this must be set up, you know. I have, he said, no, no, for real. And we had this conversation afterwards, just he and I, and he said, you know, he said it was, was the most bizarre thing, he said, because I genuinely believe that's where that thing was, that that wall, that our fear, our insecurity, our, you know, the fear of the unknown. Um, he said, that's where I built that thing up. He said, and I'm very aware of it in my day-to-day -day existence as a leader. Some of the stuff I am challenged to do, he said, I go, it's out of my comfort zone. He said, and I, I can feel it. I can see it. I know exactly where it is. I said, well, and clearly, it, you know, it isn't because you have the choice. It's not just about me moving it, but you have the choice to move it. And, um, you know, it just illustrated this point gorgeously in that moment, of course, which has never happened again, uh, that yeah. someone talks about it so vividly, but that we invent that stuff and, and very often we make it work for us, right? We, there's yeah. this idea of what, what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. And yeah. we have these two parts of our brain, the thinking part and the proving part. And whatever we plant in the thinking part of our brain, the proving part will look for every shred of evidence to prove that it is true. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I go, well, that's where my comfort zone is and I couldn't possibly sing because it's out of my comfort zone, the proving part of my brain looks for every bit of evidence to go, yeah, of course you can't and it's out of your comfort zone and oh, now, now you're right out of your comfort zone and you definitely won't better do it. And that's how our thinking works. And it, it means we all need to take some real care with what we plant in the thinking part of our brain and, and, Comfort zone is, is an invention. We make it up. It serves us well in that moment to keep us safe, to protect us. And also, very often, it's the very same thing that gets in our way. It trips us yeah. up. Yeah, it absolutely does. That is a great, great discussion. I mean, comfort zone is definitely a myth. And, and I think for me, even imagining it just like that will be tremendously helpful. There's something else that you talked about that I also found very helpful. There's this whole entire paradigm that you use to break people out of that uh, perception of comfort zone. Let's talk about the relationship between thinking and action and outcomes. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, um, and you know, this was again in my learning to to sing and learning as a musician. It was really interesting, you know, because um, I had said at nine that's what I wanted to do. That was the mission I set out on. And at eleven, when I auditioned for the school choir, I was told really clearly that I was not going to be in the school choir. Um, I, they, I didn't get in because I wasn't good enough. And there were a couple of years of massive rejection. So there I was, this confusion of, hang on, I'm working really hard on my singing and yeah and the thinking part tells me i i can do this thing but for some reason it, it wasn't happening uh, i was being told that my singing wasn't good enough so i already started to get this idea of there's a disconnect between what i'm doing and what i'm thinking about it so those two don't necessarily sit comfortably together and right. um and i think you know what what it strikes me now how how this resonates with me now is that many of my clients probably most of them uh, less so maybe with the ones that I work with, but new clients, what they often ask for when I first meet them is that they want um, they want skills programs. They want to learn new skills. They want development programs that are about new behavior and new skill. And very often I find myself in that situation saying, actually, you've got, you know, you've got hundreds of skill programs, development programs, stuff that are, that is around focused on new behavior. And, and actually, if you look across your workforce, you have one of the most skilled, talented workforces you could ever wish for. This is not about a lack of skill for most of the people here. The, the disconnect is actually that their thinking is not aligned, that their, that their attitude is not aligned, that their belief system is now, you know, out of date, running on version 1985, when we go, actually, it's 2015, and it needs an upgrade. And I think, actually, once they start to see that, and once they start to um, check in with that notion of, hang on, there's something here, are we putting focus on action? So is that on behavior, skill, capability, or are we put it on thinking mindset? And, you know, organizations spend billions billions every year on developing people in their organizations and much of that money is spent on developing skills developing behaviors which actually do you know what the skill piece is often the really easy piece to give i can i can put that up on a flip chart we can send it email it to someone in a handout the skill piece is often not complex the piece that is complex is that we're banging up against thinking beliefs uh, the uh, you know are in a script that actually on the whole is massively out of date and for as long as that is out of date then you can pile on as many new behaviors and skills as you like and it it, it doesn't stack up it it doesn't it doesn't work because the thinking is the piece that drives the behavior and we've got to know that you know all behavior all action all skill is driven by thinking identity attitude values so although it's the more uncomfortable stuff to play around with and tinker with actually it's the real leverage piece Absolutely. for anything that we I, want to do in yeah. life right anything that we want to do it was very rarely our skills that get in the way for us it's all the other stuff it's the it's the thinking the attitude the beliefs the values the identity the purpose you know all of that stuff exactly and there are also times where we just don't feel ready to do the thing that we think we want to do so it does sure. take a lot of courage to begin talk about that yeah i mean um i think you know this is this is about first step stuff and i think we spend a lot of time in our life right asking the question what happens if i fail 
right? What, what happens if I screw it up? What happens if it goes wrong, though? But what, happen, what happens if I, you know, set up this new business? What happens if I chat the person up at the bar and it doesn't work? And I think, you know, we can easily, all of us get so consumed in asking that question of ourselves. And of course, what it does is disable us. So often we will end up doing nothing as a result. We will keep asking the questions. Thinker thinks, prover proves come into play. And our exit point will be that we do nothing about it and it just becomes a dream. And I think, you know, we need to answer the question that we ask ourselves, which is, you know, what happens if this doesn't work? What happens if I fail? You know, will I fail? What happens if? And the answer is, you will. Right. So right. We, we need to get over that. We need to get over it and answer the question, which is, you will fail. You will screw it up. You will make a mistake. It will go wrong for you in some way. We need to answer that. And then we need to move on to the the more the more useful question, which is, you know, once I've screwed up and got it wrong and made a mistake and tripped up, then what do I need to do in order to move towards extraordinary? And that's a way more liberating place to operate from in life. If we move past that first question that becomes disabling. And, you know, as you said, I, I talk a lot about this idea of dare to begin before you are ready. And as a creative uh, and and in in my days of, you know, creating pieces of music and creating pieces of theatre and being a part of a company to create a piece of theatre. If we get locked into the, you know, but what happens if it doesn't work? Actually, it, you know, stifles anything creative and innovative. We will never get to a performance because we don't test it. We're not prepared to uh, be daring and give it a go. And that whole notion of dare to begin before you are ready, you know, it, it might not be in place. You might not have T's crossed and I's dotted. And actually, the first part of this is about saying, give it a go, test it out, dare to begin it. That might be send the email. It might be pick up the phone and start the conversation with someone. It might be declare to someone that you're going to run a marathon or get a new job or set up your own business. Put it out there, dare to begin it and set the ball rolling. And then actually, that's when most of our learning appears. The learning appears once we start. And once we do it in one part of the system, somewhere in our life, if we just prod it and go, I'm going to start it, I'm going to dare myself to begin, actually it opens the floodgates for us to start doing that in all the other areas of our life that we want change. Exactly. We've got about a minute and a half to our final break, so let's talk very quickly about how sometimes the solution to our problems is not doing more, it's just simply doing things differently. And I think that's something that most people don't really even think about. Yeah, I think um, this actually came about from one of my clients who sat in a workshop where people were just really stuck at the end of the day saying, how can we possibly do more? Um, you know, we we, are, we we come in to work at seven o'clock and we leave at seven o'clock at night. How can we do more? We can't do more of this stuff. We can't do more stuff around culture and people. And someone just kind of cut it by saying, do you know what? This is not about doing more. This is about doing different and for me, that you know, that really lands. And whenever I share that with clients, they're kind of the penny drops for a second. That if we hold this as all that we're talking about today as being more, for most of us, we go, "God, I'm maxed out, right? I'm drowning in life." Uh-huh. Actually, this isn't about that. It's about saying, "Do different." So, do your day, do it differently. And of course, in order to do different, and maybe we pick this up after the break, is this idea of being present and being in the moment because. You know, that, that's when our choices appear. That's when the option appears for us to do something differently. But doing different is a very different outcome to doing more. I think if we, if we set that as our outcome to do more, for most of us, we do nothing because we, we're overwhelmed. All right. And we are up against our last break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. We will come right back. 
a mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Richard Tyler, author of the book, Jolt. And once again, you can download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free anytime you want. And Richard, while I'm thinking about it, where can we get your book? Um, the book has now launched in the U.S., so it's available, I think it has been for the last four or five weeks on Amazon, um, and uh, I think it's in it's in Barnes & Noble, so there's a few places to get it. Um, yeah, easily accessible. Just just Google Richard Tyler Jolt, and whole, you'll be flooded with stuff. That's great, and I have a bunch of questions I want to get to, and we aren't going to get to all of them, but that's all right. Something yeah. I do want to talk about is the fact that some people consider feedback to be a really dirty word. And uh, maybe it's because the people giving the feedback aren't very good at making it empowering. You talk about the concept of spotting moments of brilliance. I love that distinction. Tell us about that. Yeah, I talk about mob moments, which is uh, exactly that, spotting moments of brilliance. And I think, um, you know, if I think about, if I were to go into my clients and ask them one of the the biggest issues in their organization much of what they tell me is about uh, feedback insight there isn't enough of it they don't get it's not high quality enough it's not useful enough it's not timely um uh, they, they don't get it when they need it they don't get it from the right people they're frightened of giving it and you go wow it's a it's a real cycle and you know it it kind of goes against all that we talked about earlier which is about our ability to start on our journey of self-reflection i think in in order to help that on its way we also need some input from others we need to be able to match it up to something you know um and i think 
think moments of brilliance is about how do we start and um, for me i'm really fascinated by how stuff can go viral in a culture how do we make things how do we make things contagious so that they have a, a massive ripple effect and one of them that i've seen that does go viral quickly is moments of brilliance and this is all that it says in the title which is spot in those people around us when they produce a moment of brilliance that might be by the way they do something something that they do an, an interaction with a customer a way they produce a document the way they even craft an email um and that we start sharing those but we have to share them instantly that they happen we we kind of and it is just about pick up on the brilliance pick up what it was that is personal to that person about how they created that moment of brilliance and put it out there and then actually you know do it and watch people's state change when you push it out there there might be from some the moment of discomfort that someone has picked up on something that they've done that has been brilliant and challenge them to send it viral i see it in team meetings i see you know someone will push out a moment of brilliance and uh, someone else will pick up on it and go actually we all need to we all need a, a few moments of brilliance we need to have a day today where we where we share some where we spot it and share it and i, I think what it i mean what it does you know apart from that that adrenaline rush that we get when we hear it and how we have an opportunity to influence someone's own state of thinking is actually that again we're forcing people into this place where they need to be present and paying attention you know uh, those people in organizations that still think they can get away going around being on autopilot you know wrong that's those days have gone we can't get away with that anymore it's not it's no longer acceptable you know to to have people in our teams that operate on autopilot where they yeah. do it because they've always done it that way you know that doesn't work anymore in businesses. And I'm still shocked that businesses that carry people the, uh, where they make it acceptable, where they do work in that way. So, you know, Moments of Brilliance is about sharing the great stuff, push it on, get it rippled out. Um, and, and at the same breath, what we're doing is encouraging people to get right back in the moment to tune in because otherwise we don't spot it right if we're autopilot we don't spot moments of brilliance and we probably don't push many moments of brilliance out there because we're just we're doing ordinary again we're doing the basics yeah, yeah. let's let's talk about having and developing the mindset of possibility because you know we talk about people remaining ordinary businesses remaining ordinary and they don't think about what's possible or maybe they're afraid of what's out there maybe they haven't identified it you, you have gone a long way in toward mastering the art of figuring out what's possible how how can we learn how to do this yeah i mean again as a performer you say it's it's a basic you know that a, a musician a singer a dancer an actor that isn't a possibility architect then you know what are they they're a they're a fixer they're a they're a doer they just they they pick up someone else's words and music and just do an audience and you know, often on the receiving end, that's not what we want as an audience. We want a performer that engages us. A possibility architect are those people that shape, craft, build frameworks for what is possible, as opposed to, uh, as we often find in organizations, impossibility architects, right? So those yeah. are the people that build frameworks and thinking and attitudes and processes that won't work. They'll be the ones that say, ah, oh, yeah, but we can't do that. Ah, oh, yeah, but we tried that in 1674 and it didn't work for us then and it won't work for us now. And um, the possibility architect piece is how do we spend more time in our day 
shaping and crafting what is possible, which means we have to start asking some different questions of ourselves and others, you know, the, the questions that, that open up the opportunity. So, you know, right now I know it hasn't worked in the past. What would I need to do differently in order to get a better outcome this time? That We put that question out to our team. You know, we put that question out to the people we need to engage with in the day. You know, I hear that it was really difficult to do that. What would we need to do differently? How could I help you to make that happen? If we could wave a magic wand right now and all our solutions fell into place, what would we be doing that's different? Actually, if we start nudging those questions and pushing them out there, actually what we encourage people to do is to start thinking with this idea of possibility. I often encourage teams to say, you know, have, have your have your poss- have your five minutes of being possibility architects, even if that's all you do. Sit there when you're stuck, when you need a solution. You sit there, and you are only for those five minutes architects of possibility. Which means any of the reasons and issues and rationale for why it hasn't worked in the past, they're not relevant now. So they get parked outside the room. The only focus right now is what questions do we need to ask. What do we need to do in the next five minutes that means we create possibility? And, you know, that's a massive piece in moving us towards extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. So let's talk about flying by the seat of your pants. This is something that you talked about in your book. A lot of people confuse this with the idea of being unprepared, but that's not what you mean by this at all. So let's talk about flying by the seat of your pants and why that might actually be a good thing occasionally. Flying by the seat of your pants is um, is about that ability to improvise. So uh, I've learned that over time, and um, I, I did a I ran a key, I did a keynote session. This was a couple of months ago, and um, it was to about seven or eight hundred people in the audience. And a lady came up to me afterwards and said, "My goodness," she said, "That was you, you know you're you're amazing." She said, "I'd love to be able to speak like that. You know how how can I speak like that to an audience?" And um, I said, well, that's, that's really interesting. Thank you very much. And um, actually, there are a couple of things that are really important. Uh, one of them for me is that um, is that although I have some structure to to, to what I'm going to do, actually, until there's an audience in front of me, actually, how the hell do I really know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do based on what the audience needs in that moment. I'm not just going to sheep dip you. Um, I said, so I'm going to go with the flow and respond to what you give me. And the second thing is, actually... I believe the more people, the more the merrier, right? So the more people in the audience, the more fun I'm going to have. And she looked at me and said, well, to be honest, both of those things are just really weird. Uh, and I couldn't do either of those. And I said, well, okay, you know, <laughs> thanks very much. You've just come and told me that you thought I was amazing and how could you do it? And I've just told you two things that are really fundamental to the way in which I do it. And you've just trampled over them. So, you know, that's fine. You don't need to take them on board. You know, you can go and find your own way. And, you know, for, for me in that, there's this bit about flying by the seat of our pants is, is that ability to improvise is about, is, is going back to how do we respond to what's happening to us in the moment? And, sometimes that's quite hard as a speaker people want they want your set keynote they want to know what's your keynote title and can you tell us exactly what's in it and and my response is always "Mm, i can tell you what i think i'm going to do so you i can give you the outcomes and actually it's still very much dependent on once i'm in the room with 20 people or 2000 people will do what we need to do that gets us to our outcomes and we might have to go off piste for that because how do I know where the audience is on that day? How do I know what announcements have been made to the business that day? I, I don't know everything. So therefore, all of that stuff is going to affect the way in which I deliver it. And 
for me, and that's about our ability to improvise. That's about, again, I come back to the same point about we've got to be in, we've got to be present. We've got to be responding, reacting yeah. to what's happening in the room in that moment. And there are all our choices for being extraordinary. If we turn up and we just do it, we do it because we did it last week because that's what we do because that's what we told them we're going to do. Actually, we have no chance of being extraordinary. And right. although it's a scarier place to operate for many, the, the flying by the seat of your pants, and for me, I go, there isn't any other way. As a musician, you know, as, as, a, as a jazz musician, I work with lots of jazz musicians. Actually, they improvise that you can put four musicians together and they'll work it out and they fly yeah. by the seat of their pants. They haven't worked together before, but actually right. that doesn't matter. The solution, though, is that, again, they are present, looking, listening, trusting of each other, trusting of mm-hmm. themselves, daring. Uh, mm-hmm. We have all those pieces in place and providing we're yeah. doing that, then we can fly by the seat of our pants. Great. We have less than two minutes to the end of the show. So let me ask the question that I ask everybody. Who inspires and motivates you? Um, I think it's a brilliant question. And uh, my uh, my answer, as always, is never going to be an easy one because there are different people in different parts of our lives that um, influence us for different reasons and inspire us and motivate us. But I guess my answer, the first part of my answer would have to be my daughter. Um, my 10-year-old daughter, Mia, is a massive source of inspiration to me every single day because she is, uh, uh, she is a mirror to all that I do. So the stuff that I see her doing that I adore and some of the stuff that I'm uncomfortable with, it's a fabulous mirror to all the stuff that she's learned from me and and learns from me each day so she is the reason that i get up each day um and do all the stuff that i do because she she is a a, a massive inspiration michael crawford uh, at nine years old was a huge inspiration for me in the world of performance Uh, had i not have seen that who knows whether i would have chosen to go down the music route and i guess ultimately you know the people that inspire and motivate me most are the people that I work with every day. Um, cause you know, that is what it's about. It is about, it's not about me. It's not about how great I am in a keynote. It's about the audience. And it's about them going and making some changes and some adaptations. And you know, when one person comes up to me or I get an email and they say, do you know what? I went and did this as a result of your book, your coaching, your keynote. And, and this is what's come about in my life. Mm-hmm. Then, then that's it, right? That's the reason to right. keep getting up and doing this stuff. All right. We are at the end of the show. You can get the book, Jolt, by Richard Tyler on Amazon. Thank you so much, Richard, for being on the show today. Pleasure. You can, find, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can download and subscribe to iTunes for free anytime. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Success Profiles Radio. See you next time. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how